Welcome to The Markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson with several different guests with us uh, this week for our weekly look at the market activity from Wall Street to the feedlots to the wheat fields to the soybean fields and to the dairy farms. We do this every week, and every week I wonder if the week can get more unusual because we've certainly seen the unusual headlines. For example, Thursday of this week, the headline at the end of the day on my Reuters machine Dow wraps up strongest three days since 1931. That's right, 1931. And uh, that was the same day we got the weekly jobless claims, which that number went up to 3,280,000. And uh, the S&P 500 was set for the third straight session of gains. But then came Friday. And the headline Friday, the Wall Street stocks tumbled, ending a massive three-day surge after doubts about the fate of the U.S. economy resurfaced and the number of coronavirus cases in the country climbed. So the numbers on Wall Street as we ended this day, this week, look like this. Dow Industrial Average down 915 points ending the day and the week at 21,636. The S&P 500 down 88 points at 2541. The Nasdaq down 295 points, ending the day and the week at 7502. And the worry factor at the CBOE, the volatility index ended the day up four and a half points, ending at 65.54 as people continued to get worried. So the deep losses happened late in the session today, even after the House and approved and the president signed a $2.2 trillion aid package. That's the largest in American history to help people and companies cope with the economic downturn caused by the coronavirus outbreaks and provide hospitals with urgently needed medical supplies. The United States has now surpassed uh, surpassed China and Italy as the country with the most coronavirus cases. The number of U.S. cases passed 85,000. The death toll exceeded 1,200. And one analyst said, we have still not fully understood the degree of the economic impact. Currently, from a policymaker's perspective, it's a relative balance between managing the spread of the virus and opening the economy. And after the market closed today, President Trump signed the stimulus package into law. That bill, along with the unprecedented policy easing by the Federal Reserve, helped the S&P 500 climb more than 10% for the week. That's its best week since 2009. But the U.S. stock market benchmark still down about 25% from its February high. As I said, in its strongest three-day performance since 1931, the Dow climbed 21% over a three-day period 
Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, that move established it in a bull market, according to one widely used definition. Even after today's drop, the Dow ended 12.8% higher. That's its best week since 1938. You get any idea why this market activity is one that is interesting, fascinating, but I wish we could move out of it. As a matter of fact, uh, last year when every market report, we talked about the U.S.-China trade deal, and I kept saying, I hope we can talk about something else. Well, we've certainly got it. And one other analyst said next week will depend on what happens over the weekend. If there is a major acceleration over the weekend of coronavirus cases in New York and other states and the hospital system continues to get jammed up, then I think it will be a rough week next week for the marketplace. The Dow Industrial Average dropped a little over 4% to end the day at 21,636. The S&P 500 dropped 3.3% to 2541. And the NASDAQ Composite dropped 3.25%, ending the week at 7502. Another interesting note. The uh, volume on the U.S. stock exchanges, 13.4 billion shares. That's the lowest since the 5th of March. Delta Airlines, American Airlines, and United Airlines fell anywhere between 6 and 11%. As U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said, the help designated for airlines in the aid package was not a bailout and the taxpayers would need to be compensated. Boeing Company slumped 10% today, but it was still up more than 70% for the week after Mnuchin said the plane maker had no intention of using federal money. And then the global markets, yes, they were, however, mostly influenced by U.S. markets. And stocks across the globe fell today after the historic three-day run-up. Worried investors kept indices on track for their worst monthly and quarterly performances since 2008, while the the dollar fell by the most in any week since 2009. The dollar slump was seen partly as a sign that central bankers have been successful in easing stress in the money markets, But market volatility is expected to persist as the coronavirus pandemic that triggered closures in economics and economies worldwide remain very much a threat. The United States surpassed two grim milestones as virus-related deaths soared past 1,200 and it became the world leader in the coronavirus infection that is certainly affecting the economies of countries around the world. So what do we look for next week? Well, uh, it's going to be tough to figure out what we look for and what we find because The uh, calendar, while it does have its share of reports, 
uh, also um, probably won't have much in the way of earnings reports. Some major U.S. economic figures scheduled for release during the next week. Commerce Department on Thursday expected to report the trade deficit narrowed to $40 billion in February from $45.3 billion in January. On Friday, the Labor Department is expected to report non-farm payrolls likely decreased by 100,000 jobs in March after gaining by 273,000 jobs in February. The jobless rate expected to have increased 3.9% in March. Average hourly earnings are likely to have risen two-tenths of a percent in March and increased 3% from a year earlier. And the average work week is expected to have dropped to 34.1 hours in March. That would be down from 34.4 hours in the month before. Manufacturing payrolls are expected to have dropped 20,000 in March after rising 15,000 in February. On Thursday, the Labor Department expected to report initial claims for unemployment benefits fell to 3 million in the week ended March 28th. That would be uh, down from 3.28 million in the week before. Separately, on Wednesday, the ADP National Employment Report is expected to report private payrolls lost 154,000 jobs in March. Thursday, the Commerce Department likely to show factory orders rose two-tenths of a percent in February after falling half a percent in the month before. The department on Wednesday likely to show construction spending rose six-tenths of a percent in March after gaining 1.8% in the month before. And on Wednesday, the Institute for Supply Management expected to report its index of national factory activity likely fell to a reading of 45 in March. And that uh, would be down from 50.1 in February. Uh, There will be some earnings reports. The uh, packaged food maker, ConAgra, expected to report a decline in third quarter profit and sales, hurt by weak demand in the food service industry that saw weak holiday restaurant traffic during a cold winter. And focus will be on its forecast for the fiscal year that would also include a surge in sales due to pantry loading as consumers prepare for the COVID-19 epidemic. We do get a couple of reports from Canada that will be of interest, but uh, it's going to be a quiet week from the standpoint of financial reports. Oil prices dropped 5% today, posted a fifth straight weekly loss as demand destruction caused by the virus outweighed stimulus efforts by policymakers around the world. Both contracts are down nearly two-thirds this year, and the coronavirus-related slump in economic activity and fuel demand has forced massive retrenchment in investment by oil, and other energy companies. Brent crude settled down $1.41 a barrel Friday. That's five and a third percent, ending the week at $24.93 a barrel. 
and the contract fell about 8% on the week. U.S. crude settled down a dollar nine cents, or a little more than four and three quarters percent, at twenty-one dollars fifty-one cents a barrel. During the week, U.S. crude fell more than three percent. One analyst said, "We just ran out of ammunition to support the market, and we really don't know where it's going to go from this standpoint." Physical crude oil traders said they expect Permian Basin prices to slide by as much as another ten dollars a barrel by May, when tanks in the region as well as across the country are seen hitting maximum uh, capacity. A couple of other reports that we looked at this week, the number of Americans filing claims for unemployment benefits shot to record of more than 3 million last week. Initial claims at up 3,280,000. The jobless blowout was announced shortly after Federal Reserve Chairman said on the Today Show that the U.S. may well be in recession. But uh, I guess we'll wait to see. The other thing that we watch carefully is the consumer spending, because U.S. consumer spending rose moderately in February, but momentum is set to fade rapidly in the coming months with the virus pandemic upending life for Americans and citizens in other countries of the world. Commerce Department said today that consumer spending, which accounts for more than two-thirds of U.S. economic activity, increased two-tenths of a percent last month. Households spent more on electricity and gas, offsetting declines in outlays and motor vehicles and parts, as well as recreational goods. Well, we could spend two or three hours talking about the uh, coronavirus and its impact on economies, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And we'll be back to join Mike Pearson, our farm broadcaster friend, along with... uh, We're going to talk to a market analyst to take a look at the agricultural picture, and we'll do that when we continue on the markets. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation Foundation is here to help. You don't have to talk to somebody in the cattle business very long before you get an earful about what's been happening in the cattle markets. Through the past few weeks, as we've gone into the supermarkets to buy beef, not only have we found in many instances the shelves are empty, but then when we were able to buy product, the prices have been quite robust there at the retail level. The same has not been true out at the feedlots across the country. And many of the folks who produce our beef are pointing the finger of blame at the meat packers, saying the packing industry is in so few hands today that the packers have inordinate control of the prices, that they are pocketing big profits with big margins at a time when the American people need to have an available supply of beef and at a reasonable price. We thought it was a good time to talk with a long-time cattle market and 
cattle production expert, Harry Kenobi. At West Point, Nebraska. West Point is actually a town in eastern Nebraska. And Harry there has been a feedlot operator for many years. He has advised others on the marketing and the beef cattle industry. He had a terrible accident just a little bit less than a year ago. He was operating a tractor, moving some hay bales, and one of those bales rolled back on him on the tractor operator's platform. His recovery has been long and challenging. We caught up with him this week to ask how he's doing. Real good, Max. It's been 11 months now when I started hauling that hay to the flood people. And April 17th will be one year. And to let you know how I'm doing, I'm walking about 40 feet, uh, I'm sorry, 90 feet a day now. A week ago, I was walking 40 with a walker and someone beside me. So I think maybe in two, three months, I'll be able to walk by myself. Outstanding. That's very good progress in a short period of time. I know it's taken a lot of work, hasn't it? Max, and they gave me a 1% chance I would walk. Don't you feel blessed to have the, the people around you, the first responders who came to your aid, the, the local folks at the hospital and those in Omaha? I know you've, you've spoken about them often. It's been important to you, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been real good. A lot of my friends call me. People came 500 miles away to come and see me. And so I'm doing my rehab at West Point right here for the last 10 months, and it's going good. Well, I gather you've had plenty of time to watch this cattle market. What do you make of this over the past month? My goodness. Well, Max, we've had all kinds of lows like this. You know, in the futures, we had about a $27 dip. But in the live market, we only had 15 But with the stock market and everything and the news around us, it makes it feel worse. Last year, um, we had, uh, let me see, we had a $30 dip is what we did in the futures. This year we have a $27 dip. 2008, we hear a lot about that. We had a $26 dip. Right now we're at, well, we had about a $27 dip. And um, the open interest went down 70,000 in the cattle. And um, this week it got under 100,000, 277 now. Uh, What I've seen in 60 years, it doesn't get much lower than this and it shows you it's a bottom. Now, it's easy to say that when you hear of all the things around you, but um, we've had other times when the cattle market went a lot more. There's been a lot of emotion in the market, to be sure. Fundamentally, how does the demand look uh, versus our supply of beef? Well, um, I just looked up the beef exports for last week over a week ago, over 15% up, and for the year, they are 32% up for the year is what the beef exports are. I want to get back a little bit. Um, You know, people forget to hedge cattle when they're making money, what's down the road. And um, this started about January, uh, I think it was January uh, 2nd about, and the market started going down. From November to January, the open interest went up 70000 on the cattle, and the live market went sideways. And the, But, no, I'm sorry, the futures went sideways, and the live market went up $12. Then all of a sudden, in, uh, we dipped on uh, the 23rd of January. We lost 5000 open interest when the market went down the limit. That was the beginning of the top. 
Now, it's easy to say that, but when you look back, there were, there were some red flags that told us that the futures were maybe top, and then on top of that, we got the virus. Well, a lot of people are saying this shouldn't be happening. They're concerned about it. You hear all kinds of voices calling for investigations, including some people on Capitol Hill. You've seen this volatility in the past. Will there be an investigation this time? What do you think? Well, the investigation that they're talking about, the boxes were $2.07 about six to seven weeks ago, and now they're two fifty-seven. You know, yeah, there should be an investigation. The Packer is making a lot of money, but um, I'm not uh, saying that, um, you know, he has a right to do that. But the problem is that we have in our beef industry – we got to market our cattle instead of kind of like taking the high of the week or whatever it's going to be that he has to negotiate and buy our cattle. And so there'll be investigation and that's probably the talk about that has happened before in the last 40 years and the market turns around and the cattle feed, feeder feels better and he gets tougher. And it's just what happened. Uh, Last week we sold our cattle for I believe a dollar seventy five, and then uh, Tyson came along and uh, told us that we would get uh, uh, five dollars live more and about uh, seven dollars ninety four cents more in the beef. And suppose the talk of the investigation had them come about to do that. You hadn't seen that too many times in your career, had you? No, I've never seen ever that the Packer gave it. Now, way back, it was in the 70s. I don't know how that all started, but we were, when the freeze was, we were getting paid by the Kroger and Safeway and all those major uh, grocery chains. And I, it, it was during the freeze, and uh, the Packer couldn't give anymore, but um, the market was going up, so we got paid by uh, the grocery chains. But if I read you correctly, what you were saying a little bit earlier is the feeders need to be more proactive in their uh, their marketing and hedging marketing opportunities. Is that right? Well, that's exactly right. Now, I know I can easily say that because I'm in the commodity business for 56, seven years, but you have to look at it every day as a, you know, if you were a company, there would be somebody watching it for you. The CEO wouldn't watch that. So you have to have somebody watch that for you or, or I mean, it's, um, it's easy to say after it went down. But when you look at that, when the open interest is going up and the live market is not going, or the futures are not going up, but the live market is, that's the beginning of a high. On the other side, the reversal. When the open interest comes way down, now it very seldom gets under 300,000 and now it's got to 277. So we're at a bottom. We're going to bounce. And if I checked it back like in 2008, um, we went up about $10 on the live. And another thing in 2008 that was a little different now, in 2008, the futures were above cash. And this time the futures were um, below cash. In the long pull, that's better for us, futures above, or I mean below cash, but um, people don't feel that way. So they look at the screen and see the prices, and then they kind of demoralize them.
Well, we appreciate your counsel from your years of experience, and we appreciate more than anything else seeing that you're doing so well. We join your thousands of friends and supporters uh, throughout cattle country, uh, many of whom were talking about you, of course, at the Cattlemen's Convention back in the winter and uh, continue to remember you and your family in their prayers. And we uh, look forward to stopping in and seeing you one of these days soon again. That'll be wonderful. You're welcome anytime. Harry Kenobi, Eastern Nebraska is where he resides. That's where he feeds cattle himself. And in his office there, right there at the cattle feedlot operation, he advises producers all over the United States about their cattle marketings as well. We visited with him earlier this week. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here here to help the passage of the coronavirus response legislation will provide needed relief to americans around the country especially workers and small business owners who have been impacted by covid 19 president trump has made the safety and security of the american people a top priority during this national emergency and uh, secretary of agriculture sonny purdue said the CARES Act, which is what they're calling the uh, legislation that was signed by the president uh, this Friday afternoon. So we'll call it the CARES Act. It contains $9.5 billion in assistance for agriculture producers who have been impacted by COVID-19, along with a $14 billion replenishment to the Commodity Credit Corporation. And in addition, the legislation includes $100 million in ReConnect grants to expand access to broadband in rural America for educational purposes, business, and access to critical health news and information. So it does include a pretty good amount for agriculture, including the replenishment of the Commodity Credit Corporation uh, budget, and that's the budget that was used to uh, uh, pay producers who lost money because of the U.S.-China trade pact. We talked earlier about the price of oil. The uh, ethanol situation is reaching a critical level as around one-fifth of ethanol production capacity in the United States is due to come offline by the end of this month. That's according to the Renewable Fuels Association. The cuts could exceed 3 billion gallons of annual production by the end of this month, and that includes almost three dozen plants that have fully idled and at least 40 plants that have significantly reduced running rates, according to RF. President Jeff Cooper. And he said that number could go higher as other plants operating at full capacity have stopped buying corn. It's not just the United States where we see the uh, challenge that we have from coronavirus, because in South America, which is a major producer of uh, the uh, livestock feeding industry, Argentine grains port workers have requested exports to be suspended due to the pandemic. 
a labor union representing Argentine grains port workers Thursday of this week, asked the government to suspend exports, a move that would put upward pressure on world soybean prices and hobble the country's main source of revenue as it seeks to avoid default. Another story from Argentina this week uh, said pretty much the same thing, that the ability to get crops to the uh, ports to ship to foreign buyers is certainly hampered by what's been going on in the uh, transportation industry in Argentina. As we take a look at closing prices at the Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, this is what we're looking at this week. Lean hog futures tumbled today, several contracts falling to the expanded daily limit of $4.50 per hundredweight on worries about a slowdown in demand for pork and fears that the coronavirus could close processing houses, potentially backing up hog supplies. So let's look at the closing prices at the mercantile on the livestock trade today. We found that the uh, uh, June lean hog contract down the $4.50 limit, April live cattle down the $4.50 limit, April feeder cattle down the $4.50 limit. So it was certainly a down day in the agricultural markets at the Board of Trade. Once again, (laughs) I could talk to you for another hour about what's been going on, but we don't have the time. As always, we thank you for joining us here on The Markets. 